This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Blitz 1170. All right, it's 2-11. We're behind, so I apologize. But uh, definitely wanted to get Dion's thoughts, a former Oklahoma State player, his thoughts on the entire situation that's happening there in Stillwater. Um, so it was good to hear from uh, Dion. It's unfortunate I had to leave early, but completely understand it. Uh, Matt, coming up in a bit, I was reminded of something that I probably haven't heard since the week that this was released. But oh, yeah? I, was, I was reminded of a song that was crafted by Chris Vernon. Now, Chris Vernon is a media member in Memphis. He is the artist behind the Ballad of Bobby Petrino. So bring up my internet, and I'll play you just a little clip of what we're all going to live together (laughs) with the Bobby Petrino news. And I'll just play just a little portion of the song here. Riding down the highway of girls on my bike Man, I never felt so alive Screaming pig suey at the top of our lungs Man, I never had this much fun (laughs) Okay. The Ballad of Bobby Petrino. We'll play that in full coming up here in a bit from uh, Chris Vernon from back in, as the kids say, the day. All right. Immaculate. Let's uh, hit up the hotline and welcome in Hudson Standish. He's from Horns 247, part of the 247 Sports Network here on the Blitz 1170. What's going on, Hudson? How are you, buddy? Man, I'm disappointed I didn't come on just to rip about Bobby Petrino. That <laughs> joke I heard was that because it's a football-only facility at A&M, he probably won't have any issues with the volleyball players like that. <laughs> I heard an unbelievable stat since we're just going to rail on A&M Bravo. for a second and Bobby Petrino. Let's just go off the rails. Let's just go Petrino yeah. only. <laughs> so, so the stat that I heard today is that A&M with TCU advancing to the national championship – A&M is now the only Power 5 school in the state of Texas since 1940 that has not competed for a national championship in football, basketball, uh, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, One of the other major sports. But it's like the only school in the state of Texas that hasn't competed for a Power 5 national championship in like three sports. Oh, baseball was the other one. Since 1940. Like, that's unbelievable considering all the money that they've poured into the facilities in the school in general. So, uh, yeah, have fun have fun with that one. I, I can't wait to see. Considering the G5 programs, uh, Texas Western has a basketball title. Rice has that's a baseball right. title. Houston has made basketball titles before. Like, it's it's kind of insane. Yeah. Houston's been in the in New Year's Six bowl games since that, yeah. since that happened. It's uh it's remarkable. All right, uh, let's get down to business for a sec. Um, this has been a wild, and I do mean wild saga that has been unfolding in front of us since what the twelfth of December. Uh, I'll ask yeah. you first before the official announcement came down for the university. Was this pretty much the only way that this was ultimately going to end for Chris Beard and the Longhorns? I think so. Once the affidavit was released with all of the details from the initial uh, from the initial nine one one call, 
talking with sources over that next, you know, 24 to 48 hours, it just seemed like he was kind of cooked. And honestly, I'm happy that Texas kind of made the tough decision that they had to. Like, the the details were really bad. The fiancé eventually released a statement. But, you know, then we get into the, I guess, personal issues of, like, maybe trying to secure your own financial future. Like, it just got into a muddy mess and – I thought that the Texas uh, VP of legal affairs statement put it really well of like, you don't have to be found of a crime for us to fire you. Like this entire thing is a debacle, very yeah. embarrassing to the university. We want you gone. We have the right to do so. Now, obviously there's going to be a legal battle because Texas is firing for cause, you know, once the contract completely terminated and, uh, Oh no money. Well, I'm sure Chris Beard and his lawyers are going to try to fight for some of it. So that will still be in somewhat of the headlines. But my next question would be, now that it is official, and there still be will some like some stigma of it kind of hanging over the rest of the season, for no sure. matter no matter what. But in a exactly. way, in a way, is there almost a? I don't want to call it like a pressure release valve, but there is like a, a finality to it from the players. So can they like, and I'm trying to spin it like in a positive for them because I, I truly feel for them. And listen, we're north of the Red River, so we're supposed to like horns down all that nonsense. I watched that Rice game after they were back, and I found myself I'm like, I'm legitimately happy for all of these young men after everything that their head coach, who made terrible decisions, have just put them through and now forced all this upon them. So. Can it be a positive for the rest of the season now to get this out of the way? I'm happy you mentioned that Rice game. I've never seen more Oklahoma and even Texas A&M. Fans who normally will throw the horns down like muscle memory were genuinely <laughs> happy for those kids because, I mean, it's just common sense. Some of these, these kids who transfer in or especially their first years, like that's a torpedo into their – you know, student athlete experience. So, yeah, I do think that there's a little bit of like, at least this chapter is behind us. Let's see what interim head coach Rodney Terry can do and, uh, you know, try to make a run in probably the toughest basketball conference in America. So, yeah, I do think that there's some finality and at least just a relief, right? Yeah. How has Rodney Terry handled all of this? I think he's done really well. I, I think the team's been prepared, but. You know, at the same time, Rodney Terry, you know, just like he's not um, the same level of coach as a lot of the guys in the Big 12, and that's mm-hmm. no slight against him. He's extremely experienced with, you know, coaching at Fresno State, UTEP. Like, he is a good basketball coach, but when every single team in the conference is a Ken Palm top 40 team, yeah, you run the issue of what happened during Texas's last game happening which is Kansas State putting up a career high or program high 116 points on I think 1.41 points per possession not great well and the thing about Chris Beard is that say what you want I mean the amount of defensive effort that you could see night in night out and then Trying, it's almost like you can see Texas trying to refocus in on that defensive end because I mean the defensive numbers are there. Like that is that's slipped clearly uh, within the last couple of weeks that are there, uh, and that's probably a a him thing and 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 the demanding element that's there. Um, this doesn't mean though 
that this talented team cannot find a way to galvanize. It may take a little bit longer now over this, but I mean, without question, this is still the same team that has been one of the, the better teams in the entire country going up, even though some of the numbers have slipped in certain areas. But to your point, they just play in a hell of a conference. So who who knows? And if there's a chance that regardless of how good the Big 12, that, you know, this was always going to happen for Texas this year after losing Beard and whatever, the good thing is because everybody in conference is – playing at such an elite level the losses like there's no bad loss that's nothing right. on your resume nothing on your resume when it comes to tourney time is going to be bad like a lot of college basketball analysts have started talking about the fact that the big the big 12 could be a 10 bid league everybody gets in so you know thinking about the gonzaga win out of conference and creighton like texas does have quality wins to where Hey, even if they slip to seventh or eighth in conference, there's still a chance for them to go on a run uh, when it comes to March. Well, Oklahoma State's the prime example of that, right? They're sitting here at nine and five. Uh, they they play incredibly well at home, but I believe what they're twenty sixth overall in Ken Palm. So I mean, they're they're yeah. a prime example here of what we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Who has stood out to you uh, so far on on this team since all of this has uh, kind of hit the fan? Marcus Carr's usage has gone up a ton. I think that he had the forty plus point game that kind uh, against Louisiana that kind of rallied some people. I'd say that he's probably stepped up. I think also just having guys like uh, Brock Cunningham to kind of play in a clear role. The only person who I think really has seen a decrease to their games have been Dylan Dissou is kind of like the stretch five that they use. And then Tyrese Hunter, who started the year on fire and looked like a potential All-American game, has kind of regressed a bit since Beard, um, you know, was fired, uh, or at least was put on indefinite suspension. But at the same time, it's hard to be too tough on him just because of the, you know, circumstances we talked about earlier. He's a, you know, true sophomore that transferred in from Iowa State, left a you know, sweet 16 team that looks incredible this year comes to Texas, looks great under beard early. And then it kind of gets torpedoed for him. So it's hard for me to even lay too much blame at his feet. Uh, the one thing though, that I would, I, I had written down to ask you about is that uh, when I watch Texas, I, they don't necessarily have a, a, a rim protector uh, that's there no. uh, like they've had in the past at times. And I think it's cost them uh, several times so far. Um, what are your thoughts on that moving forward and how that could impact them as we move through conference play? Yeah, it was something that um, I wrote about a ton over the offseason, hoping that uh, Beard and his staff would attack during the portal. But for whatever reason, they wanted to sacrifice rim protection for that extra mobility with yeah. playing somebody like Christian Bishop as a you know, small ball five, but at the same time with college basketball, you know, not having the defensive three second rule, you can kind of just park guys like Zach Eady or, you know, <laughs> some of these more immobile rim protectors and Texas really doesn't have an answer. So whoever the next coach is, which is an intriguing conversation in itself, I think that's something they really need to target as, you know, priority one because it's cost Texas plenty. Well, uh, and I'll go and I'll, I'll look back at the Kansas state loss and Kansas State shot unbelievable, by the way, like 61% from the field. Yeah. They also shot an incredible number from the perimeter. 
Uh, but there were moments in that where the lack of rim protection hurt them uh, in that game. But but I, you combine that, though, with the unbelievable shooting and, again, back to the conference, because on a night like that, like Rice, Hunter, and Carr, like those guys combined for 70-plus points. M- the majority of the time, that that's going to be good enough to get you by exactly. uh, in the league uh, on a night-to-night basis. That, that was just a unique combination from the Kansas State game, but in a, in a in a small moment, the lack of rim protection hurt them. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the guys that uh, has been mentioned as a potential candidate has been, well, two of the main ones, Nate Oates from Alabama and then Eric Musselman from Arkansas, which I'm a little bit skeptical about. Those guys immediately know how to recruit bigs and develop them just from thinking of some of the guys that they've had on those rosters in the SEC. So, you know, that's something that I think Texas fans have kind of been encouraged by. Obviously, there are a lot of people wanting Jay Wright to um, get the job. But, you know, speaking with sources, it kind of seems like he's made it clear that, um, you know, he just doesn't have the edge to compete anymore and doesn't really want to deal with NIL in the transfer portal. So all the names that have been mentioned here in the early stages, um, and there will probably be many, many more that would be added to this, is there a – perfect type of candidate for that job if they could get muscleman i think that he would do a lot of the positives that beard did as far as just like exciting the fan base because that's you know one of the knocks against texas basketball they do have the new arena but you almost kind of need a half coach half promoter at times right and muscleman i think is probably the best promoter and one of the best coaches but something i've just talked about with friends colleagues is why would he leave Arkansas? They've, the athletic department's done everything that he's asked of them. Like they're constantly adding on to basketball. He's one of the higher paid coaches. That's where it kind of leads me to thinking that Nate Oates from Alabama might be the better uh, fit. Makes sense either way. And I think uh, both of them would, would be tremendous fits no matter what uh, they're in awesome. Hudson, this has uh, been awesome as always, man. I appreciate you jumping on uh, with us here for a few short minutes. I apologize for our tardiness when we called you a little bit earlier. But, no problem but, at all. But no always all. enjoy the info that you drop on us here. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to uh, come on the show. I'm a little bit sad, though, that it's going to be a while until we talk about football. I guess spring ball's around the corner. Spring ball but... is around the corner, so we'll we'll go ahead and we'll set a time uh, and we'll get back. I mean, I mean, heck, I don't feel like you can really talk like in depth until the first version version of the portal closes. Then we get through spring, and then the other one opens up, and then it closes. So, oh yeah, we got plenty of time to uh, to touch on the uh, the pigskin side of things. Well, I'm already looking forward to it. I already miss college football a ton. I I hear you on that one as well. Appreciate you, man. Always great talking with you. That's uh, Hudson Standish joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from Horns 247, part of the 247 Sports Network. All right, timeout. I believe uh, the Big O is going to join us here coming up at the bottom of the hour because we do have to get into what the NFL ultimately decided in terms of how this entire scene is going to work itself out. It's a little complicated. (laughs) But I don't know if there was ever going to be a perfect or 100% fair way to get this done. And quite frankly, given the set of circumstances, I don't think any of that matters. What matters is, is Hamlin woke up, was able to communicate, speak today, and is responsive. That's, in the grand scheme of things, 
of what matters the most in this setting. So we'll run through all the scenarios. We'll talk with uh, Big O about uh, just the football in general. I want to get his thoughts on the national championship game that's coming up on uh, on Monday. I, have you noticed a growing trend, Matt, and the growing trend in the thinking behind the national championship game is that Georgia's going to boat race TCU? I've seen that on my Twitter timeline. You've seen that? Then again, I follow a bunch of Georgia guys because I'm, you know, I'm no, from down I, there. I, yeah, I, I understand that, but – in almost every piece where they're talking to different people, that's the overwhelming consensus when it comes to this. And uh, I'm here to tell you that that was the same consensus with Michigan. And I'm not comparing Michigan and Georgia by any means. But TCU has surprised almost every single team that they've played with their strength, their size, and their speed. And our guest the other day from Georgia said it himself. I think this is going to be the fastest team. Think about that in SEC land. You just had a Georgia beat writer, for lack of a better term, for on three say this is going to be the fastest team that Georgia has played this year. Yeah, and they are. TCU. Dude. And they've been bigger and then stronger and surprised everyone with their size and with their strength and with their speed every single time. Now, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would probably place money on TCU to cover. I don't know about winning outright. I don't think they're going to get run off the field. I just, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I'm, I want a great game. Of course, I would probably lean towards rooting more for TCU because of the ties that are there. And also, I'd just like to have a Landry on. He's a good time. I mean, we can have him on anyway. But yeah, That's fair. The story itself, in terms of college football, is much better if TCU wins than Georgia winning. It looks better for the college football playoff expansion, too. It looks better for that. It cracks the foundation of access it cracks the foundation of the stars matter type mentality that comes in it it changes everything and matt what have I, what's the word that i've used this year with college football and what expansion does for college football and we've talked about this with the portal as well parity and that word is parity I love me some good parody. That word is parody. Some people hate parody. I want some parody. People, some people talk a big game about parody, and when we went through a little stretch in the in the NFL where there was some parody, people hated it. Like, well, there's not a team to hate. And then along came the Patriots. I'm like, all right, here's another dynasty that we all loved in the beginning, and now we absolutely can't stand. That's because it was a heartwarming story in the beginning because it was like, oh, look at him. He's sixth rounder. Kind of an afterthought. Now look, a little look bit more is. than that too. A little bit more than that. There was some, there were some patriotic elements to that first Super Bowl that they won against the Rams, given the closeness to nine uh, eleven as well. There was some, oh, there were some tones on that. And then, like three years in, everyone's like, I hate this team. Kind of like what happened with Golden State. You hate everybody. <laughs> you like you win too much, people turn on you and they hate you. Kind of like what happened with the Chiefs more recently. Unless you're a diehard fan. Well, let's not go over war with the Chiefs. Just one. 
Let's be honest. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding, Chief say, fan. I'm kidding. Say, let's be honest. I'm kidding. There's only one Chiefs, one factor of the Chiefs that we hate, and that's his brother. Jackson oh, Mahomes. Okay. Yeah. Patrick is a very likable human being. That's a likable team for me. All right. I'll let you I'll let you make the statement on that one. I think it's just because I, I, I really in what you got? No, no, no. Go ahead. I think what makes the Chiefs more likable is the fact that you see what the Kelsey brothers are doing, and it's why I don't hate the Philadelphia Eagles either. So you're basing your like for them just over a podcast? Yeah, man. It gives me a little bit of – it gives you an well, inside look. we're in a look. different age now than we ever have been before because, yes, you might still hate teams and hang on to a certain amount of hate that you have, and teams can be irritating, but I think there's far more of a of – a, it's just a cultural shift as well from people – being more irritated with certain elements of teams rather than just having full-on hate. Yeah. Like, you can... I think you... It would be an interesting study to go down, like, an age line. Uh, on one side is hate, and I guarantee you're over a certain age when it comes to hating certain teams. And then fantasy football has played a big part in that, right, of rooting for more individuals than ever before. Oh, absolutely. Like, not a big fan of the Minnesota Vikings, but uh, if we're talking fantasy quarterbacks... How you doing, Kirk well, Cousins? Like, yeah, and uh, <laughs> or Jared Goff. I like individuals on the Cowboys, but I'm of a certain age where it's, I'm still programmed to dislike them immensely. The overall entity that is. See, I know that feeling though, because I feel that way about it. For me, it's more of a hate when it comes to college football. Like I will always hate Florida and Georgia. So, and then I still hang on to a little bit of um, arrogance and supremacy from old NFC West days over the Saints because the Saints sucked. For so many years, that was like the free space on the bingo card for the Niners for so long. And then that the Saints were good. And I'm like, God, they're a little irritating because they're so good, you know. <laughs> so we'll get into some of that All right. uh, coming up. Uh, the Big O will join us next year on the Blitz 1170 after this timeout. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.